this is your first time listening to the Sanctimonious Podcast, or if you're a long-time listener, I just wanted to let you know that when we recorded this podcast, I unfortunately didn't realize that my mic was not plugged in, and so instead my audio track was picked up by my laptop, uh, leading to less than ideal audio quality. I think you can still understand what I'm saying just fine, but I wanted to let you know that our audio will be back to its normal standard quality in all future episodes. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the show. Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where three zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics concerning combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake, Sir Alex, and Sir Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Sanctimonious. This is Jake here, joined as always by Dan and Alex. Dan, Alex, how are y'all doing today? Uh, sweating. Sweating so hard. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> I live in the Pacific Northwest. We don't have air conditioning and it's like 90 plus degrees right now. Oh, okay. Dan. Dang. Alex, is it flooding where you are in Oklahoma? We've been getting like tons of rain in Missouri. We have been getting quite a bit of rain, but it's not really flooding. Uh, it hasn't, I don't, maybe in like the more, some of the more rural regions it has been, but uh, as far as where I live in Norman, it hasn't, or uh, Oklahoma City, as far as I know, it hasn't really been flooding. But it has been really hot too, so it's been hot and wet. I went for a run the other day, and it was just, like, so humid. It's like, I don't know if I'm just, like, covered in water from, like, the drizzle, or is it sweat? I, like, could be both. Time out. Jake, are you, like, in a cavernous room or something? Is it, am I sounding quite cavernous? Yeah, like, we can hear the reverb, I, at least I can. I don't know, Alex. It sounds kind of like he's down a hole or something. You do, you sound slightly far away. Maybe if I put, like, a blanket on my head. I'm gonna try it. I'll be right back. How do I sound now, you guys? A lot better. Yeah, it sounds good. Really? All right. Tent mode engaged. <laughs> so I think the plan this episode is to jump right in with the main topic, which will just be our rapid reactions to the fantasy in-flight report from Gen Con, where they announced the new set, set five of Keyforge, Dark Tidings. So uh, we don't have any insider information on this. We know as much as you do, which is to say not very much, but let's talk about it. What we do know the tide is neutral. So let's just let's just get this out of the way. Yes, the symbol for unfathomable is exactly what the house says. Unfathomable. That's all we're saying on it. Unfathomable. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> Uh, so the, the new set is called Dark Tidings. Um, it's going to introduce a mechanic called the Tide. Um, the Tide starts neutral, um, and cards can, there are cards that will affect it to be either high or low Tide. And also you will have an Omni action, which is gain three chains raise the tide so we know that of at least one card which was an anomaly val kunth which i'm sure will show up in this set uh he is 
a seven, six strength. Six strength, Aquin. While the tide is low, Valkun cannot be used. By default, the tide is neither high or low. Fight Reap exhausts an enemy uh, creature and each of its neighbors. I think there were a couple cards spoiled uh, in the in-flight report, but wasn't. The Chosen One. Not anything too exciting as far as I, I That's kind of cool. I think the Chosen One is sick. What is the Chosen One? So let's just say what it does. It's a nine-powered, unfathomable Aquan creature. The Aquan creatures have landed. Instead of ridding creatures they control during the ready cards phase, your opponent deals one damage to the chosen one for each exhausted creature they control. So your your opponent's creatures don't untap. They don't ready at the end of your turn. Instead, they do one damage per each exhausted creature, and they do not untap. So, yeah, it hypothetically limits the amount that your opponent can use their creatures because they have to remove it, otherwise... Every time they tap to fight, tap to reap, tap to action, whatever, that creature's just stuck down until the chosen one dies. And then it has to die and come to their end turns. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Reminds me a little bit of like Aether Spider, where it's like maybe it's not going to stick around a long time, but it's probably pretty hard for your opponent to win the game with that out on the board. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to have to deal with it in some way. Well, the nice thing about this, other than Ether Spider, is this thing will actually do the nine damage of power that it has. So they're going to be suiciding guys into it, most likely. There's only a couple of creatures looking at you, dinos and ultra mega big guys that could potentially actually fight in and survive a fight against this thing. Laughing and nipple Kong. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a cool card for sure. But what do you, what do you guys think about this high tide, low tide mechanic? Because I don't know, like, I don't feel the same way I felt, like, when they started talking about enhancements, where it's just like, that's rad. I mean, I guess I could see it being cool, but it kind of feels like it has the potential to be almost, like, a little bit fiddly. I don't know. I think we really need to see the mechanic in play. Like, I think it's going to be cool in its own set. Like, I think it's going to matter a lot, but outside of its own set, like, in the earlier sets... It's going to be super interesting how that's going to play out. Like, is it going to be worth three chains to me if I'm playing a Coda deck against something just to change the tide? Because if I'm not mistaken, when it's high tide for one player, it's low tide for the other player. Is that is that how it's going? That would make sense. I'm not sure that we know for certain. I mean, because the token card they're getting, it looks kind of two-sided. Like, you can flip it back and forth to determine, like, who. I mean, it kind of, it's... Kind of thematic too. If the high, the tide is high on one side of the board, then it's obviously low on the other side of the board. So, I would assume that's how it works. Yeah, I think that that is how it's worked, but I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. To be honest, we'll maybe get more clarification on yeah. that. Sadly, uh, we're we're recording this uh, two days before the actual KeyForge discussion on August first at nine. I think it's nine a.m. So bright and early. So by the time you're probably listening to this, these are hot takes before the actual meeting or the not meeting, the discussion by FFG themselves. So our entire episode. I think it has the potential to be cool, but it's just going to be obviously dependent on on the cards. Like what what kind of effects do you guys think could involve it? Like obviously, like Valkuth to me seems almost like the least interesting way it could be involved where it just like turns the cards on or off 
Yeah, I mean, you might also do, you might have a way of doing it, like, where, like, it a card has different effects depending on what the tide is. Maybe they're, like, neither one of them is, like, a better or worse than the other, but they're just, like, it does, you know, kind of like um, there's the guy in Mass Mutations who, when he fights, he has an effect, and when he reaps, he has an effect. Uh, like, if he reaps, he, the enemy can't fight, and if he fights, the enemy can't reap. Um, you might have something along those lines with Tide. Not Maybe not that exact thing, but something like that, um, where, like, basically whatever he does is is differentiated by the Tide. Or maybe they gain traits. Like, they could gain traits or stats depending on, like, have different stats depending on what the Tide is. Um, or even an action card could have, like, a dual effect. It does x if tide is high and y if the tide is low or like maybe it it wants something along those lines could be possible yeah for sure that, that's interesting I, i'd like that i think if there's a little bit more of a trade-off uh, as yeah, opposed I, to just like like the light switch effect it's either on or off but also i guess there's one thing's for sure is the new cool way to flex on your opponent in your coda versus coda matchup Pay, pay three to make it high tide. Yeah, just, just, just gain chains for no reason. I like that. A new challenge is whoever wins the most with the changing the tide the most times. <laughs> In an adaptive match, it's like bid three chains. Give your opponent a fighting chance by also starting with three chains. Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, it's hard to say much more than that, but... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, right now, I think I'm, like, just completely neutral on it, which is kind of sad because, like, I was so high on just, like, learning about enhancements, and now I'm sort of like, well, I'll see. You know, hopefully I'll be much more excited once, re- once we get to read more cards and see how it works. But it just seems, you know, it's like adding a whole new element to the game in which, like, enhancement wasn't, but just, like, improving the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, this definitely is adding more complexity, so I hope the payoff is, like, really cool. I think they'll have to have been very careful about the tide because the the issue is if the tide is too strong, um, taking three chains is is a fairly big negative. So if the tide if tide effects are too strong, th- this is gonna it's gonna feel terrible uh, having to change that cross set because like especially if your opponent can just play a card that ch- changes the tide and then you're like having to like every you know so you you pay three chains to change it and then they're like oh i just play this card and now it's back to exactly what i want it to be and you're just kind of like oh i guess i'll pay another three chains to you know or they just pay three on their turns and now nobody's having fun because both of you are just drawing less cards we'll have to see how it plays i i'm like I, I would say I'm slightly less than neutral. Like, I'm slightly on the negative side of it. My initial feeling is like, I don't, I kind of don't like this, but I really have to play with it to, like, we're so, we're so at the beginning stage of it. It definitely is not a mechanic that made me feel as excited as enhancement. I will say that. It's sort of more like deploy, where it's like, I'm kind of just like, well, this is here, uh, but has the potential, unlike to deploy, to be way more game debilitating. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, and also it's like it's so much more in your face, right? Like you've got this whole other card, right? It's not like I don't know. Like that, I think that there's something that's just weird about that, like element of like changing the board, um, and that there's this other thing we have to like pay attention to and track and be aware of. Not that it's that onerous, but. 
you know, I feel like it needs to have a good payoff for it to be. They do like creating new token types. I will say that they just keep. I I really genuinely um one of the only things that I get annoyed about Keyforge about is how many token types they keep introducing. And I, I I personally don't find that to be a necessary or cool thing. It just kind of annoys me because I'm like, well, I don't want to have to have a Doom token and a, like, tie token and a, like, you know, like, 50 million tokens. Like, they probably could have just made some more generic thing, like some kind of tracking token that just tracks all things that need to be tracked. Yeah, I mean, the um, tied token's not, I mean, it's a card. But yeah, the tie token is a little bit different, but no, like I stuff like you other, know, doom tokens yeah. and the like are are very onerous. Power, armor. Can we can we talk about how the tied token comes in every deck? Does that just feel like a little bit overkill to y'all? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't catch that. It comes with every. Yeah, so the deck won't be thirty-seven. There'll be thirty-eight cards now. Oh man, <laughs> you're gonna. So I'm gonna end up with like fifty tied tokens. <laughs> It's like kind of like how they throw like a basic land in to like magic booster packs, I guess. But it's just like I mean, you kind of have to though, because like yeah, if you have anybody ca- playing casually and they just buy a deck, like the the draw to Keyforge is being able to just buy a deck and start playing. And um, if that set requires the high tide, low tide mechanic, and you don't, I mean, it wouldn't be very hard. I mean, you could always proxy something. I mean, we're all gamers. You just use a quarter. Yeah. Heads, <laughs> the quarter. heads is high. Heads is high. Yeah, no, there's always around it, but I mean, I can see why they're doing it just for this set, and they're trying to really push it. I assume this isn't the case, because they probably wouldn't ask it, but it'd be cool if there was, like, different art on some of them. You know what I mean? So you're not, like, literally getting an exact same card every time. But you know how, like, there's, like, different art for, like, magic lands and stuff? even though they do the same thing, that would just be kind of cool to have some like options of like, this is going to be my tide card, but I, I doubt that'll be the case. So uh, what do you guys think about unfathomable the house? I, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's good. This is leaving. I think this has been like a very consistent, a fairly consistent house throughout all the sets. Um, and I, I, for one, I'm kind of glad to see it go. Uh, just even though I really like this, it's just, Again, because I think we need to see rotation on some of the houses that have core mechanics that are too good. Um, and maybe they come back, but when they come back, hopefully they'll like rework them a little bit. Again, like I feel like this, this is a little bit too. I think one of the reasons it's so consistently good is it's themed around a pretty powerful mechanic, which is disruption, discarding, uh, effects that just change what your opponent can do like control the week or uh mark a diss and so i i got a glad i really love my initial impression of uh unfathomable is the name is a mouthful i kind of don't i i wish i want something a little bit quippier to be honest uh but maybe we'll we'll find our own shorthand uh of of you know what to call it and uh but uh the art i will say the initial art that i've seen I love, love, love the unfathomable art. It is super cool. It's very, um, like, does it feel like Lovecraftian to you guys? I definitely, like, I think that is, like, an explicit nod to Lovecraft. Wait, what is this art? Wait, what? (laughs) Just kidding. It's Dan's joke that he doesn't pay attention to the art. 
Uh, 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 right. Dude, sick callback. Awesome job. <laughs> That's great. That's veteran podcasting right there. But yeah, I, I think, I think like, you know, uh, FFG does like has a whole Arkham file setting that they use in a ton of games. And I think that it probably would have been too much to just like bring that straight into Keyforge. But to me, this feels like a direct nod to that setting, like super Lovecraftian. And I, I think I get that mostly with the name, right? Like they could have called it like, Atlanteans or something else since they're basically like fish people that would be more like you know fantasy like what we would expect but I think like calling it like unfathomable for sure is a, is a Lovecraft reference. I think I'll just declare them they they should not be named. If there's like isn't a Cthulhu card in, in the set I'll be surprised. Yeah oh for sure it's gotta be right it's gotta be some kind of uh big 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 daddy maybe the yeah. leader. Yeah that would be awesome actually. One thing that I think with this coming out is like, you're right, this has been incredibly powerful throughout the game, like probably in the top two or certainly three houses in all four sets so far, uh, you know, arguably top two in all of them. And to me, that just like puts a lot of pressure on Unfathomable to be really good if Dark Tidings is to be, you know, balanced with the other previous sets. And I don't know, like, I agree it's cool to have these houses rotate out, but like this is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, it just feels like super thematically rich. It feels like necessary to have these like disruption abilities in the game, though I, though I wish they weren't maybe so centered in one house. Yeah. I, I felt like it would have been actually like cool and interesting to see what a set would be like with two of those out, you know, like, so you could really have like a double disruption deck and maybe that would just be too good. And that's why we're not seeing it, but it's like, we've seen double efficiency in worlds collide between logos and star Alliance. Like we've seen for sure, like double board control type stuff with Sarian and Sanctum and mass mutation, you know, and like, uh, we saw a lot of that in AOA too. Like, I don't know why we couldn't have double disruption. And it just feels like that puts a ton of pressure on Unfathomable to be just like crazy good. And then that could be potentially problematic because if they are, they do come out and are just like crazy good, then people will be like crying power creep and everything. So yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. But I we have to have faith that the some of those this type effects will be spread out amongst the other houses in interesting ways that fit in with their sort of identities. I mean, and I would guess without having seen the cards though, like that Unfathomable is going to have some disruption because the reason they seem to be rotating a house is because mechanically there's too much overlap between that house and the one that they rotate out. And they explicitly said that actually on the in-flight report. They're like, they're gonna come out and control the board and disrupt i think they might have even said like just like this does like they have a lot of disruption effects uh so i think they're definitely intentional about that uh that that is the identity of this will be will be control elements and, and they also said that it'll like tax your opponents to do things which i think is really a cool idea too but potentially not like in, in, in my experience with previous games, like taxing style decks that make it hard for your opponent to do things aren't always the most fun to fight against if they're, you know, top tier. Because uh, like, you know, a lot of times that just means you don't get to play the game. So I think it'll be really tough to strike that 
healthy balance between like giving them that unique controlling identity that's not just like this 2.0 and making them fun in the competitive game in balance like man that's just a lot to try and pull off totally any any other thoughts on this or do we want to talk about uh evil twins yeah let's move on to evil twins kind of the last of the the new announcements the brand new archon deck type as it was previewed to us the evil twin deck yeah this sounds kind of cool it just depends like the big discussion raging in our discord real quick let's let's tell what an evil twin so if if you didn't see the announcement an evil twin deck is a 100 percent copy of an existing archon deck with a slight twist so uh they spoiled a car for example uh all the cards will be evil copies of themselves so uh they spoil a car an unfathomable card called taniwa i think that's how you pronounce that uh who is a eight strength beast with two armor uh has a uh, fight reap ability destroy a friendly creature and gain one in the evil twin deck taniwa would be a four strength creature a four-strength beast creature with one armor, fight reap, put a creature from your discard pile on the top of your deck. So essentially, all of, you'll have all the same cards as the existing Archon card, but they will have slightly different effects than they normally would. One quick clarification is uh, they said that if the card has an evil twin card, then yes. it, you will get the evil twin version. So not so presumably not every card will have an evil twin version. Yeah, yeah. good clarification. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like the the big discussion that's been kind of raging in our Discord, not raging, but being discussed is how accessible the twin deck will be. Like if you buy a display box and you get one one side of a deck, is it guaranteed to have the twin in there, or is it like one of those things where? Um, like the secondary markets can be flooded with evil twin decks, like trying to pair up twins. Cause I mean, if they're not in the same box, then yeah, I, I, I don't know where I fall on that. Like I, I would almost hope they're in the same box because that way you actually have a chance of getting both halves because if it's not in the same box, like the likelihood of finding your other half of your twin, very low, <laughs> very, very low. I mean, I mean, you know, if you're on Reddit or something like if our, if it, if, if it becomes like one of those, big easter egg hunts i mean i could see making a new channel in our <laughs> yeah like we're gonna have to make a channel specifically for evil twin finding it's like the uh missed encounters on uh craigslist or something <laughs> looking for <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting point and i i guess like they have to be in the same language almost like but it'd be kind of funny if like your evil <laughs> twin one is just like in a, it's like a chinese deck so it's like you would just never know unless you're fluent in both languages, like theoretically. Well, I mean, hypothetically set like a search on say something like DOK where you put like 12 of your cards in that you have, like if you just like loaded in an entire house, like as the search, you know, search. Yeah. You can search by cards. You can search for decks with specific cards. So you could potentially search in DOK and probably find like five or six decks in the world that have been registered that share those same like 10 or 12 cards. So I think if, as long as you go, like 10 or 12 cards, even like I did a search the other day for like five cards and I think I only came up with like six, six or seven decks, but I guess that was looking for sale though. I guess I didn't do just out there in the wild. 
if you added enough cards, it would be pretty low percentage shit. Even if you get a hit, it would just be easy to go through it real quick and see if it was for the match. So here's, here's a question yeah. for y'all. How common... So not every deck's going to have an evil twin deck. Uh, that was pretty clear, I think, from the in-flight report. And in fact, I think they said, like, very rarely you might get an evil twin deck. <laughs> How common do you think these should be? In, in, I know we don't have all the information yet. I don't know. I feel really weird about this mechanic. Um, it's like, yeah. it's a very hard, it's a very hard mechanic to evaluate. Because it's like, it's so, it's like very, I mean, in a way it's very Keyforge because it's super random. But I just feel like they made, they took like the rare, the rarity like it feels almost like taking the rarity aspect too much. Where it's like if you're really interested in finding an evil twin deck of a deck that you have, like, you know, it's probably going to be next to impossible unless they like, like Dan said, like they come in like a display together or something like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know how the algorithm is going to send that to the print. Like, cause I mean, we've already seen that, uh, when you buy a display box that tend to all kind of <laughs> revolve around the same kind of uh, calculation that was occurring at that time. <laughs> and before the hunt for the all twin display cases. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel what the algorithm is probably doing with evil twins is like at the beginning of deck creation, it does like a 10% chance or 50, you know, whatever percentage low percent chance to become an evil twin. And if it does that, it probably pulls from pulls from it pulls from existing lists and just like randomizes it somehow of like which one it chooses. Uh it's gotta be something like that. All I'd say is we have no clue, but it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> it's definitely a thing that is like possibly going to increase sales. It's not something that I feel excited about for the game. It's just like it's just kind of like I think for most players, it's just going to kind of be like a, hey, I got an evil twin deck. Cool. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, I think everybody, like every kind of like collector-ish player, like yes. I probably include myself in here. If you're a collector player, then you love this. You would, you want to just get one pair. Like, I don't want like every pair out there, but it would be cool to say that, hey, I've got like, so like you're showing somebody the game, you're like, oh, and by the way, there's an evil twin deck. So we can both play the same. Like, it could be a good way to teach somebody how to play. I mean, honestly, you're both essentially almost playing a mirror match a little bit. All the same cards are in the deck, so you could use it as a learning tool because you know it's in their deck. They know it's in your deck because they're playing it. I don't know. But... It'd be cool if like, maybe the starter decks were like all a deck and it's twin. <laughs> Those starters. Oh, Target would make a killing off of that, especially if they release it a couple <laughs> yeah. months early. As, of course, is tradition. It, this like the whole thing gives me just a bit of anxiety and like maybe i'll be proven way off on this but i hope they're not too rare because i could see like potentially super problematic things if like oh cool like the best decks are just like evil twin decks because like some combination of evil twin cards are just better and like the one evil twin card we showed off like those cards were not that similar you know it wasn't like a slight alter it's like one was like eight power and the other one's like four power one armor with totally different effects and maybe that's like a, the exception to the rule and most evil twins will just be like slightly changed or something sharpied mustache <laughs> right what we've seen so far indicates that they will be substantially different 
cards, despite having the same name. And that just means the potential is definitely there that evil twin decks will just will, could be stronger. I don't know. The thing I wonder about is, you know, in the bottom right corner of all the index cards, they have like Maverick, Legacy, Enhancement, whatever. I wonder if on a non-evil twin deck, if it'll have like evil twin, like just so you know that it exists. I don't know. Question on that will be if evil twin decks are generated at the same time as the deck same or time. if it's like a thing yeah. that later like it because it now that you say that i hadn't thought of that happening but it, it could generate the regular deck and the evil twin at the same time i was thinking that it would always just pull a existing deck somewhere and make it into an evil twin but it could be that they generate at the same time the one thing i love about it is i think it leans into one thing that players have just naturally been doing with their keyforge deck since the game came out which is like hey i got like john the philosophical the second like does anybody have like anyone else related to this like there there have always been posts like that <laughs> shout out to zach from call call of discovery looking for the uh, other royal half right so like that seems like something like people have instinctually wanted to do of finding connections between decks and i think maybe this is sort of a test case for pushing this further I could see like a set in the future being like dynasty themed where you can have like a father and son or, you know, daughter deck, which is similar, like same houses maybe, but like a slight variation of it, which I think that might be more interesting. But I think with the evil twins, it's just like, if these cards are so different that if they're like as rare as like a maverick, you know, or something like that of getting this, that could just be like a lot of totally different cards that become pretty inaccessible to people and then if those are like end up being competitively viable for like archon events then you know maybe it's hard to like find the ability to play with or against them to practice and i just think that could be like potentially not great so i, I have some concerns um but i mean it also could be kind of like the bruise leading to enhancements right sort of a test run of something that ends up being like yeah really fleshed out and cooler in a later set yeah very possible i mean and the idea is cool at least even if it doesn't play out perfectly i think it's a it's a really inventive thing to add to the game i mean it's just increasing the uniqueness of what keyforge is yeah and i think that's sort of like where i land sort of my final thoughts here on this announcement of dark tidings which is like i think the new house is cool i think you know, it's nice to have the rotation of this out of there. That's going to change the game up. The tide mechanic has potential, but I have like with caveats. And then I feel the same about the evil twin. Like it could be just completely awesome and work out really well. And maybe like I'll even change my tune on it as we get more information. All these things I feel like is going to be difficult to really nail as the designers and developers in, in a way that feels satisfying. So, you know, I'm going to definitely hold out hope that like I could be way off on this. And these are just completely misplaced anxieties based on the fact that we don't have any information at all. And we're just wildly speculating here. But yeah, that, those are kind of my feelings regarding this. No, I guess uh, the, the tides could create a cool play counterplay depending to on how cards line up in specific decks and how easy it is to change the tide, whether that Omni ability... I guess that would be played during your turn. I don't know. Yeah, we just have to see what cards. Like, I could see there being places where it is advantageous for you to actually 
you know, spend the three chains to shut off half of your opponent's creatures or something, or force them to have to spend three more chains to get it back to high tide so they can use said creatures. So there's some interesting play space there for it. And yeah, I tried to get this in on the Evil Twins, but I think it's an, <laughs> it's another way to uh, motivate people to pull that RNG when they open that, you know, that little that little cardboard box <laughs> when they go to their local game store and pick up those little cardboard boxes. And yeah, it's maybe extra motivation to try to nab one of the twin decks. Yeah, for sure. If it does end up being that, like you get one Evil Twin per box, like that will really motivate people to buy boxes, I think, as opposed to just a random deck here or there. Yeah, I doubt it's one per box. I was thinking Evil Twins are going to be more like Anomalies, like it will be super rare. I didn't like how rare Anomalies, though, were. I like I like uh, more the like uh, like Desania, uh Time Traveler, like that level of rarity. I think that I, I kind of feel like that's like the sweet spot for rarity or even like Fagin. Like Fagin is like something like four or five percent of decks. And that means it's like, it's possible to find one if you want one. Anomalies were like, I, I never could find a lateral shift deck, like ever. And I really wanted that card. <laughs> like, cause. Oh, really? <laughs> I would say the exact same thing about lateral shift. Like, that's, and I think that's where a lot of my sort of like anxiety comes from. Like, I'm not a power buyer at all. Uh, so, like, I just see new cool Keyforge cards, like, I want to play with. And I never got, I never had a single anomaly deck that I got to play with. If there's like a whole bunch of these uh, evil twin cards that are like fundamentally completely different than their counterparts, like, you know, I don't want this to be living in a world where there's like cards that I'll never get to play because of the fact that like, I'm just not purchasing enough. Maybe I should list some things for sale again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alex, Jake, I've got some anomalies, buddies. <laughs> I, never, I never got Infomancer. I never got Mint. Mimilith, and I never got lateral shift. I opened like like two or three red barons, though. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I think uh, that about sums it up for this rapid reaction episode. Uh, it feels pretty funny to be recording this one immediately following our initial thoughts on the previous set, but you know, I guess that's just the way things work. Hey, out. 2020. Um, anyway, my name is Jake. You can find me on. Twitter and Twitch at Jakefree, that's J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D, over to you, Dan. Hey, I'm Dan is someone, D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E-1 on Twitter, Twitch. I've upgraded my rig. If I can get my kids under control, who knows, I might actually start streaming again. Um, yeah, over to you, Alex. I am Alex Slotnick, uh, the Nick of Slots, hashtag 6418 on uh, Discord, and uh, you can find me on Twitter as the Nick of Slots. Archons of the Crucible, dark tidings are on us. Unfathomable things are happening. Don't look up in the top left corner while forging those keys. I couldn't leave it alone, could you? Keep poking that bear. <laughs>